0: Welcome to Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by Three Geeky Millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a USA Today contributor and a pop culture journalist in D.C., and I'm joined by...
1: I am Annie Crittenden, Associate Editor at the Tracking Board.
2: And I'm Willoughby Dawes, a filmmaker in the D.C. area.
0: Uh, so this is our first time all of us are together again in, I think, three weeks, right? it been a while. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. And uh, we're going to be talking about movie trailers and movie marketing in general. And like, I think it's become very tied into our movie watching process lately, so much so that sometimes movie trailers can sort of ruin us for the, um, for the movie watching experience. Willoughby has a little bit of a history of movie trailers that can start off our discussion about why they're so prominent nowadays.
2: Yeah, so in research for this episode, I looked up movie trailer history, and a video showed up on YouTube called The History of the Movie Trailer by a uh, YouTube channel called Filmmaker IQ, and I watched it. It's about 15 minutes, and it basically um, gave like a good a good, quick lesson on the history of the movie trailer, and I'll sum- summarize it for you guys right now. So between 1914, 1916, to about 1960, um, movie trailers were they came to prominence uh, in with this company called the National Screen Service and from the early part of the, of the 20th century to the 1960s, they were the studio that film studios themselves would take their movies and give to them and they would edit a trailer and sell it to uh, movie theaters and that's how people saw their movies, uh, movie trailers. And if you've think of the word trailer usually that means at the end of something and that's because movie trailers used to be at the end of films mm. they would show at the end after you know like a movie would end and then the you know because the credits you were usually always at the beginning of a movie um they had overtures and they would just you know like all those classic animated disney films had their credits at the very beginning of the movie um and so usually when, it's, when they say the end, it usually is the end, and then they would show movie trailers for the next week's movies that come out or the next month or whatever. Um, so that was why we call them movie trailers, but now they've put them ahead of the movie. Um, and around the 1960s, auteurs started making their own movie trailers. Um, the, the video I watched from Filmmaker IQ points out the Stanley Kubrick movie Um, Dr. Strangelove and also um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's movie uh, Mm -hmm. Psycho Because he had a very interesting trailer Where he didn't show anything from the movie He just showed the sets And he kind of gave us a tour of the creepy nature of Psycho Um, So that was what the 1960s were like And then in the the 70s and 80s Jaws came around It was one of the first wide release movies And everyone saw that trailer on TV And it was a brilliant marketing To put a movie trailer on TV and suddenly, everyone wanted to see Jaws, and it became you know one of the highest-grossing movies of all time. And um, and now we have blockbuster. Now we like we have blockbuster trailers all the time in movies on the internet on TV. Um, and since the internet, we've really started seeing like trailer releases becoming very important. So we can, and we'll talk about that later. Mm. Um, and now we have like. You know, YouTube channels dedicated to just trailers. We have, you know, um, the highest quality trailers you can get from, like, iTunes movie trailers you can download and watch on your laptop and stuff. And we have, Um,
1: like, countless, like, analysis of movie trailers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like...
2: Like, every time the new Star Wars trailer comes out, EW does their, like, breakdown of every frame or whatnot. Um, And so... I, mean, I remember ten years ago, movie trailers were pretty big on Comcast on demand. Like you could watch them, like on, on the on demand service, and that was pretty cool.
1: Do you guys at um, Comic Con in 2010, which was the first year I ever went, and I just went as a guest? We were in Hall H, and there was a literally a panel between two of the bigger panels. Mm-hmm. And I for I forget what it was called. It had some sort of like catchy pun name or something, and it was literally just showing us trailers
2: for the movies that were coming out.
1: Yeah, and we were like in Hall H, and they literally just showed us trailers. But they showed us trailers for like Charlie St. Cloud. Oh, that was a bad movie. <laughs> and um, Zac Efron. Yeah, and like and uh, M. Night Shyamalan's movie. That's it's, like in an elevator or something. Oh, Devil. The devil, devil. yeah, devil. and they they just showed us all these trailers between panels, and I was just like, this is so. Like, it was kind of fun because everyone got into it, and like mm-hmm. we would like jeer and shout, and but it was like so weird that it was like they had dedicated time in Hall H to just showing us trailers.
0: Which, yeah. by the way, everyone, if you're not familiar with the Comic Con lexicon, Hall H is like the biggest hall in the um, San Francisco. Sorry, San Diego. San Diego, a convention center. Uh, so they often dedicate whatever is the biggest panel or movie. Marvel, or Marvel Warner Brothers, yeah. Game they, of Thrones. They get Hall H, which people line up for hours Dates. to get into. Yeah, Dates. days to get into. So it's kind of strange to see just like. Time dedicated, yeah, like Anya said, to just trailers, but not even that anticipated movies, just random trailers in general. Uh, so weird,
2: Anya. How long was that panel for? Was it like forty-five minutes?
0: Well, and it was weird because like there's no one up there talking about
1: them. They kind of just showed them, um, <laughs> and then at some at some point, like I don't know if like a, the panic panel was delayed or whatever, but like once we got through like the lineup they had, they literally started over again, and we just watched the same trailers again.
2: Yeah, you were watching. <laughs> you we're watching something they had to put on for filler.
1: Yeah, but like it was, but it was weird because in the schedule that was a like
2: it was a thing.
1: It was in the schedule. Oh Um, wow,
2: it wasn't just like stay here for the next panel and watch. No, it was
1: in the schedule.
2: Oh man, that's weird. I wonder if they so weird. They must have. They must have known ahead of time that whoever was going to be in the first panel and the second panel, there was going to be some time. So they probably scheduled a time to actually put movie trailers in just Mm. to like keep the audience like. Calm or something. I don't know. That's it's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. So let's talk
2: about movie trailers, guys. Yeah,
0: movie trailers. They're so big and intertwined now with the actual movies we're watching, so much so that we have teasers for teaser trailers or that's, countdowns. That's
2: the most, that's the most uh, recent. Uh, Trend for trailers is yeah. the teaser for the tra- the teaser for the teaser for the trailer.
0: Yeah, and this isn't even uh, limited to movies either. We're getting teasers for tra- teaser trailers for TV shows, which have never really needed trailers before, except now that there are big release dates for mo- for for TVs on Netflix and such. We're getting like trailers to preview the entire season and those kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. That's a bit
2: like uh, like the Daredevil trailers. mm-hmm
0: um, yeah, and they're treated just like regular movie trailers, except for it's like a whole season. Um, so it's 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 interesting, like how prominent these trailers have become. Um, so what do you guys think about trailers in general? Like, do you like them? Do you think that sometimes they take away from the going experience?
2: I love a well crafted trailer. Um, one that is that will give me the feel for the movie but not so much the plot of the movie unless it's like a super convoluted movie that i kind of want to know what's happening before i go in but like i'd like to i'd I'd like to see things and then kind of have to have my head put them into context until i see the movie like um be like oh that trot was in the trailer but at the same time some people hate that it kind of takes you out of the movie but i think if it's well placed in the movie and well edited into the trailer, you won't really notice it too well, but you'll kind of be like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice.
1: I think people who like complain about spoilers in the trailers are, I don't, I don't get what they're complaining about because trailers at the most, unless you have like a super extended one, that's like five minutes. They're usually like between a minute and a half and like three minutes. Yeah. And so if they have a shot in the trailer and you're like, Oh, that's spoiler. I'm like, that was three minutes of a two hour film. Like, yeah. you have Plus, no was, idea what the context of that is.
2: Exactly. Context is key. And I think that with trailers, if you don't, if you, if the trailer makes you feel something rather than makes you, like, learn everything about the movie, then I think it did a good job. Like, um, I'm I'm going to bring up Star Wars, but the Star Wars trailer for The Force Awakens have been, they were really good. Mm-hmm. Like, they were really good about not giving away basically anything about the movie. Like, I but but we I had the, a great sense of like nostalgia plus with like new adventures ahead like it was like a com- confluence of both at the same time like I'm thinking particularly of this the shots of the millennial Falcon millennium Falcon <laughs> flying through the uh, destroyed dist- Star Destroyer with the music from Han Solo and the Princess playing and mm-hmm. you're kind of like well it's new footage but it's old music and I think that 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 was kind of like. I rewatched that trailer today and I still teared up at it. So I don't know. I think trailers can be powerful. And I think that that they are a great way of marketing a film.
1: Yeah, well, and they're necessary, too. I mean, with so many films that come out, like, it's impossible to see all of them. And, like, they cost money and you need to pick and choose. And, like, trailers along with reviews and your own personal interests are what's going to get you to, like, buy a ticket and see a film. And so... You know, trailers are necessary. They're how you kind of judge if you want to see a film. And I think the biggest problem with trailers is editing. Yeah. I think if a trailer is edited poorly, I think that is its biggest downfall rather than any sort of spoilers. Um, a few years ago, I believe it was freshman year. It was 2010, or freshman year of college. Uh, Tangled came out, and the trailers for Tangled were awful. They were abysmal. They were terrible. They made that movie look so bad.
2: Yeah, I didn't and see tabled... the movie in theaters because of the trailers. I was like, Yeah, oh, I
1: mean, I, I saw it in theaters because I'm me and yeah. I will see anything Disney in theaters. Um, gotta, you know, keep going keep... that brainwashed for the mouse house.
2: Keep that brain um, going on,
1: yeah. I, I drink that Kool Aid every day, <laughs> gallons of it. Um, but I saw it in theaters and it turned out to be one of Disney's best films. Mm-hmm. Like, Tangled is a really great film and its trailers
0: were awful yeah I completely agree with you I feel like the marketing and the trailers for that movie were definitely making it out to be a movie that it just wasn't it actually captured more of the old-fashioned essence of classic Disney movies better than anything but when I went to see it with some of my relatives um we saw it and like they liked it but they're like I didn't know that was going to be a musical Cause none of the trailers oh, int- showed that it was, interesting. and they were like, "Oh, we were expecting something like kind of like along the lines of Shrek, very like tongue-in-cheek." And
2: I um, didn't realize it was going to be a musical either until I saw it.
0: Yeah,
1: interesting. I, I, I mean, I knew it was a musical. I knew Alan Menken was doing the music. I think for me, it was mostly the trailers were just so silly and not in a good way. There was that one trailer where like Rapunzel's hair like beats up Flynn. Yeah, yeah. and it just looked. It was just so just not entertaining and kind of cringy, and, and then you see from
2: it Flynn's perspective mm-hmm.
1: yeah it's from Flynn's perspective even though Rapunzel's the main character um and the fact that they had to change the title to Tangled which ends up you know and they had to change Frozen to Frozen blah 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 and yeah, eh, yeah. that's a different thing and but <laughs> like had an Tangled too. ended up being a really like smart film about stockholm syndrome and the villain was terrifying and abusive and and the gaslighting and stuff like that too yeah, yeah. it's it like, like a lot of
0: really mature concepts
1: yeah and like rapunzel's a great character and the songs were really fun mm. and it was like you didn't get that from the trailer there was also like brave none of the trailers for brave showed the mom turning into a bear yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah i was completely none surprised when I yeah. so that. when
1: i saw that in theaters i was like wait what and, like, I get that, like, people are like, oh, but they didn't spoil it for anything. So, like, it was totally surprising. But at the same time, you know, trailers
2: should give you a sense of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, at least Brother Bear had the decency to show you that the guy turned into a bear in the trailer. <laughs> I guess you
0: can't really hide it when it's called Brother Bear, too. <laughs> you could.
2: <laughs> um,
0: yeah, but so Yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, going <laughs> off of uh, Anya's really great um, point, What at what point do trailers... Um, kind of ruin our movie-going experiences by creating this idea that the movie is something completely different than what it is. Um, I can think of two examples from the summer in which I was very disappointed by a movie. I might not have been if I hadn't seen the trailer. Um, I saw Hail Caesar, which in a sense, if I hadn't seen the trailer, might have been a good movie, but it was completely different from the Movie that I was expecting, and yeah. also Suicide Squad, which had an amazing trailer so good, so well that it was, um, the movie trailer editors were actually brought in to help edit the final product of the film because of the, um, because of the, like, sorry, I can't think, um, the reception, the reception, yeah, that the, um, trailer got, um, so at what point does, like, our trailer becoming so prominent that, like, maybe we are putting too much expectations on them or have they become like a kind of a whole different beast outside of the movies
2: well i think they definitely have a major influence and we can point to suicide squad for that being the case because we never i've never heard of a case where the movie trailer editors were brought on board to re-edit a movie not just like not just parts of a movie but like in the entire movie Mm -hmm. and i've seen suicide squad i see what they were going for but it seems like Like, they tried too hard to make it both the original edit and the, like, fun Bohemian Rhapsody edit, I guess.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, They tried, you know, they tried to make it the, in line with the DC angst, but then also give it that fun, you know, 2000s metal hip-hop, you know.
0: The new metal. The um... new
2: metal thing that they, they, like, they used an Eminem song unironically. Oh, my God. In that yeah. one scene when they were trying to like they were get get when they got all their stuff back when they were you know suiting up to be the Suicide Squad and it was like the Shady's Back song from Eminem and I'm like they're Wait, not really using... yeah and they're it's like they're not using this on um, they're not using this ironically at all this is very sincere like I, mean, I, I haven't seen it yet Suicide and Squad oh I, no I'm not going to why would I <laughs> see it <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: like that's that's another thing is that like like I've seen like the yeah but. The thing is, like, can trailers really ruin a movie? Like, regardless of how good, like, if, like, if you hadn't seen the Suicide Squad trailers, would you have really enjoyed Suicide Squad more? Like, the the trailers being good doesn't change the fact that Suicide Squad is still a bad movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't...
0: It might not have been the case for Suicide Squad because that had a lot of factors going into it that ruined it. But I think that it definitely would have changed my experience for watching Hail Caesar which all in all, yeah, was that actually, one I can see more. It actually could have been a good film if I hadn't expected a, co- a different film entirely based on the trailers. And I really wanted to see the movie from the trailers, but it didn't happen. I know, same.
1: That movie was so weird
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not good. Yeah, and it was the trailers definitely led me to believe it was a very different film. Yeah. So I, that one I get more.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, the Suicide Squad example is a little bit of a different instance in terms in that it's kind of more um, like.
2: They made it equally. seem much more tonally consistent than the movie actually was. Mm-hmm. The movie was very much of two different t- tones, and the tra- trailers, at least the, the the popular ones with like the funny, like ironic music, the ga- the Guardians of the Galaxy trailers, basically, those seemed like the movie that everyone wanted to see. And then they brought on those people to to edit that movie, and then what 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 they got was a weird amalgam of both that did not equal the entertainment value that everyone wanted it to be.
0: I agree with that. I think if maybe the trailer hadn't been so, in, like, recept, uh, recept, like well-received by everyone, then maybe we could have gotten a more complete vision of the movie from David Ayer. We would have gotten a different movie than what we got from the trailers, but maybe it would have been, like, less just... It, would, it, it would not Never have been... First oh. trailer for Suicide Squad
1: wasn't the really fun, well-edited trailer, and people didn't really like it, Mm -hmm. but, like, it was probably more in tone with the actual film, and so then they changed the trailers, people started responding to those well, but the movie itself was still not, was still what the first trailer was.
2: Because if you you remember, that was the Comic-Con trailer that they released last year, and -hmm. it was kind of, like, it was very dark, and, like, it was, like, these are the Suicide Squad, and Mm -hmm. it's, like, oh, man, and then and then after suddenly, like, the Back, like not the backlash, but like right ahead of uh, Batman versus Superman, everyone was kind of not feeling that whole angsty thing that they were were really marketing. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, "Well, why don't we let's change some things around for Suicide Squad?" And they did the they they did that really fun trailer, and then everyone was like, well, "Wait a minute, hold on a second, let's let's get these guys over here, and make a new movie." And so, and because of the backlash of Batman versus Superman and how people didn't want it to be so grim and gritty. That's what happened to Suicide Squad. Is that it's almost like a failed attempt at making a Frankenstein monster? Because they were like, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna reboot it, and we're gonna get these guys to be fun," and then it still ended up being like angsty and weird and not super. And they didn't condemn the Harley Quinn Joker relationship, and it was just a lot of stuff.
0: Yeah, I think where my point is that. Um... The trailers, before we see kind of the trailer of, of Suicide Squad influencing it, they've always been kind of separate from the movie. Like, whatever, they're always just, like, seen as the marketing, the advertising. They never really influenced the actual movie-making process as much as the Suicide trailer did. So are we seeing, like, a new form of this new kind of fusion of marketing and movie-making with the power of the trailers kind of coming into fruition?
2: I kind of don't want that to be a trend because Mm. if we if like if Suicide Squad is anything to say it you know anything to be of like note is that taking the marketing of a movie and then re-editing your movie to make it like mesh with the marketing of your movie I don't think that's that's not a good thing. What you should have is a movie and then you market it the way you need to market it. Mm -hmm. And I think instead of the other way around, of having Mm -hmm. your market become the movie.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think that what I want to see is movies that have a definite tone Mm -hmm. and the movie studios understanding that tone and get the movie movie trailer editors to follow through on that tone. Mad Max Fury Road. Interesting thing about Mad Max Fury Road is that the trailers did not super excite me, because it was very... I don't know why the trailers... Really?
1: Because
2: I, I was like, okay, a Mad Max movie. And then I saw the I movie... I still
1: watch the trailer for Mad Max, because I love it so much.
2: I think I think going back after I saw the movie, I understood the trailer more. But I think it was just too much... At, for, at, in the trailer and then but the movie like i love that movie so much we've talked about this before but like that's one of my favorite movies of 2015
1: i will like go to youtube and watch the mad max trailer yeah. because it, i love it
0: i think i'm actually on the side of willoughby because i don't think the mad max movie trailer made much of an impression on me it was the reception afterwards when people started seeing it and were saying like oh this is a feminist movie and it's going to kill men and that kind of thing that made me interested um because i think that like despite it being very intense and very just kind of frenetic, I think that Mad Max was actually a very subdued film, and it's hard to capture that in a two-minute trailer. Um, and so I think that's, like, one of the reasons that I was like, oh, the trailer's all right, so...
2: Well, I think what we can say is that the, the mm-hmm. beginning of Mad Max Fury, Fury Road with Max in that facility, mm-hmm. in the in the Immortan Joe Castle, um, that was kind of, like, what the trailer was showing, was, like, yeah. this really, really frenetic back and forth edits and mm-hmm. then and then the movie kind of slowed down but still was as as like fast and furious as it could possibly be but it was like you could understand what was happening Yeah. and i think for me was that when i whenever i saw the trailer it it kind of it did not excite me to the extent that had i seen the movie before i saw the trailer like i would like if i saw the if if instead of seeing the trailer i just saw the movie i would have been so excited for the movie mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. i you know what i'm talking about oh, it's kind of weird but yeah i think um, sometimes you know you get movies that, like I, I'm sure it it tried to be what the movie was going to be, but you can only show like H. T. said you can only show show so much in a two and a half minute trailer.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just gonna put out one of my favorite trailers, 2015 out um, there, Creed. That had one of the best trailers that really captured the essence of the movie and also just made me like gave me chills whenever I watched it. Because that one was just like it had that kind of slow build and then like this really big peak that really that matched the music that was chosen for that trailer, and kind of resonated too with like whatever like the current events that were happening at the time. Which Creed did as well, Um, but I almost feel like it didn't achieve that as much as the trailer did. Um, But yeah, Creed, the movie trailer for that was definitely a big defining factor in how much I enjoyed Creed, um, the actual film, and just like my excitement for it. So, I have a
1: question. Yes. What do you guys find more disappointing? We talked a lot about trailers that are really good, and then the films turn out to be bad, and Mm -hmm. so you're disappointed. Or do you think it's worse when the trailers are bad, and the movie turns out to be really great, but the movie might have taken, like, a a box office hit because of it, because people didn't like the trailers, and Mm -hmm. they didn't go see it. Like, I remember Spy had some pretty terrible trailers. Like, Paul Feeney's movies just don't lend themselves to trailers, because his humor is so context-based mm-hmm. and so getting that across in trailers is really hard for his movies mm-hmm. and so like spy didn't have very good movies ghostbusters had okay trailer trailers. sorry trailers and spy was one of the funniest films of last year it was i was and i could really be for laughing yeah same oh my god i was laughing the whole time luckily word of mouth kind of helped spy after it's like opening weekend and everything but like the trailers being really bad did not like. They definitely had an effect on the film, and so I wonder like, is it more frustrating to get a good trailer and then be disappointed with the film, or to get bad trailers and then maybe not see the film in theaters and then see it later and be like, "This is amazing!" and its box office suffered. And like,
2: I think I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that seeing a, a good movie trailer and then seeing a bad film is more is worse in my opinion because
1: ultimately uh, you still have a bad film, <laughs> which is yeah.
2: the yeah. worst. Cause that's the thing is that if if the you know you see a really good trailer and you're like I'm going to go see that movie and then you sit down in the movie theater and then two and a half hours goes by and you kind of go what you can't you, you know you kind of have this weird like you have a letdown expectation but if you kind of go in seeing a bad movie trailer and then you you know it becomes like almost like a sleeper hit in your in yourself because you go like. Well, check out this movie. See how 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 good is it? And you see it, and you're like blown away by it, and it becomes one of your favorite movies. And I think that's I think ultimately that's better because I mean, of the two, uh, I'm not saying either one is better. I mean, like either one is good, but like seeing a good movie is always better than seeing a bad movie. True. We talked True. about Especially this when, on the, like, on the podcast. You, you thought a movie had potential. Exactly. Um, like, I I was super excited for Suicide Squad. Like I know. since the trailers came out, I were I was like super I was like this is going to save the DC expanded universe. This is going to, you know, bring it back and then it was just a disappointment. I think I
1: I'm, like, a self-admitted, just, like, DC cynic now. I'm, like, as great as the trailers were, I was, like, it's still probably going to be pretty shit. Yeah. Like, not gonna lie, I was, like, I was, like, yeah, these trailers are fun, but, like, let's be real, guys. Like, it's still, like, Warner Brothers still hasn't, like, overhauled their universe. Like, this isn't gonna, maybe I'm just a cynic now, but I was, like, I was, like, meh, it's probably still going to be bad. I like to and think... then to think...
0: I like to think short review of Suicide Squad right here. I like to think that it was a step in the right direction because there were some really good moments and mm-hmm. elements I could see of like a new DC universe that's a little bit lighter, a little bit less self-serious, um, and I could I think that this is a good transitionary movie perhaps because despite me being really disappointed by its like flashes of potential and not living up to that potential. I think that maybe it means that we could get a new a good movie next time. I'm I just really want I mean but we Roman still have
1: Zack Snyder directing the Justice League film, so yeah. like
0: But Jeff Johns is now the head of like the DC creative team, like a la... And Colin he's Bygie. great. Yeah, and he's really good. He actually he's a comic book writer and um yeah. he's like He's also
2: in charge of like the the TV stuff too, right? Mm-hmm. He's like producers on all that. Is
0: he? Well
2: no, well Berlanti's in charge of that, but like yeah. he's kind of like the creative like is he producer
0: yeah he has like yeah. his hands in every pot so I have like hope this is before this Suicide Squad was made before Jeff John stepped up to this role so I'm yeah. hoping because it
2: was that. made made around this Wonder Woman I think wasn't even filmed yet by the time they filmed Suicide Squad mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they're hopefully you know taking some lessons and making I, I know that Justice League is definitely taking some lessons because Devin Faraci and a bunch of different critics went to the set of justice league and they they reported back saying like the tone is much lighter and uh, what they at what the the scenes that they showed the critics was actually what we saw at Mm comic-con in the Mm -hmm. comic-con trailer the same exact stuff i remember reading devin farachi's like on set location report and then talk and then he he described the scenes that they saw and then i saw the comic-con trailer and i was like that's the same exact thing
1: yeah so Uh, yeah i'm just i'm at that i'm i'm getting to a point in all media, Mm -hmm. not just, like, this kind of stuff, where, like, life is too short, and there's too much media to sit here and be like, if I'm not enjoying something, why waste my time on it when there are things that I know I'm going to enjoy more? Exactly. And so it's like, how, how much longer can I, like, can I say, maybe this time... Oh. You know, I I don't know. It's weird.
0: I'm not usually a cynic,
1: but I was about to say, like, like,
0: this is like very opposite of your hopeful tone, Anya. I think it's because
1: I think it's because I just think Zack Snyder's a terrible filmmaker, and he's still doing Justice League films, and I'm like, well, you've never given me a reason to think that you're a good filmmaker. Yeah, I agree with you on that point. So I don't know. I'm just a little. I'm excited for Wonder Woman. Yeah, I will say that.
0: I'm excited for Wonder Woman.
2: Yes, me too. Um,
0: um, oh, anyways, to get us back to our to your question, Anya earlier. DC rant. Yes, DC rant. It'll it'll happen eventually. We're all we're all DC fans at heart, despite you know being disappointed by the like, DC I, universe.
1: I loved. I got a really cool art print at Comic Con of all the Robins, <gasps> and it's like it's all the Robins and like half of them they're in their Robin costume, and then mm-hmm. the other half of them they're in their kind of their persona, so like Stephanie is Robin, and then Batgirl, and Tim is Robin, and then Red Robin, and Jason is Robin, and then Red Hood, until so they're in half and half, and so, like, I like the I DC universe, that. like, yeah. that's why I'm so angry at the films.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that point. I'm just, like, I'm hoping that Zack Snyder is on his way out, and Jeff Johns will take more of, like, a role in these movies, and just kick Zack Snyder out. Batman's doing the, Batman, Ben, ben Affleck, Ben Affleck is doing the Batman that's solo like. films, so yeah. I'm excited about that. Okay, back to trailers. Back to what trailers.
2: Have you guys seen the Rogue One trailer?
0: I have seen it. Um, I actually wasn't too blown away by the Rogue One trailer. Is that bad?
2: The most recent one?
0: Yeah, the most recent one. I liked that there was more footage. Um, it seemed to me like not a complete trailer, I guess. Maybe it's just like I'm not really buying. It didn't really feel like too much of a Star Wars movie. It felt like a war movie for me. Mm. Um, well, I think, I
2: think yeah. what happens is that it's very based on what you know of other movies.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's very much like this is this is the this is what they described in the opening crawl of A New Hope. Mm. So they're basically they're taking a movie from three lines in the beginning of of that opening crawl and they're making it a movie. And I'm not saying that it's going to be a bad movie. I'm just saying that it's based on the, uh, the basically the movie takes place days before A New Hope does. And
1: so it is it, a war movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing; is it is a war movie, like this it is, is not yeah. a movie about like destiny and the force and skywalkers, which is why part of why I'm so excited for it. But I don't think its trailers have been as good as the Force Awakens trailer. I liked the newer one more than the first one, but I don't mm-hmm. think they're as good as Force Awakens.
2: I agree with that, yeah. but I I definitely liked this this trailer because it it gave us a sense of what this movie was going to be about,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and also the music has never has never been as cool. Yes like the fact that they were they kept bleeding in the imperial theme into the rebel theme it was, it was just like warming my heart when like the the rebel theme happened and then like the the like demolition guy took a, a bazooka and like shot at an at like that's and like the rebel theme was playing with that i was like oh my gosh like that was probably the highlight of the trailer for me um as well as uh felicity jones like walking onto like whatever she was walking onto and then a tie fighter comes out of nowhere and she's like standing down staring down the tie fighter so that was pretty cool. I'm excited
0: um, for all the characters in this though. Like I'm really happy about that cast. Like that diverse cast is amazing and is what I want to see but from Hollywood from now on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad um, Lucasfilm has been kind of committing to that mm, better. Um uh, I really I really hope I I think J.J. Abrams I forget if he just hinted at it or if he confirmed it, but I'm hoping we get some like some queer characters in
2: Star Wars too. Yeah, I They think, definitely, they talked about that at one of the conventions.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know they was, have them in like the books and comics, but they haven't had them in the movies yet. Yeah, yeah. And
2: we'll probably hopefully we'll see that in either Rogue well, One or or maybe the Han Solo movie. Or we do have episodes. one. It's
1: just not. It's just not out because we all know Poe is not straight. That lip bite Po's though. Like, Poe's like I love everyone. <laughs> But yeah, I I think Lucasfilm has been doing a good job of Mm -hmm. their trailers and their marketing. I think they're also doing a great job of anytime they show something at a convention, they release it officially online afterwards.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I think that's
2: a good trend. Well, that's the thing is that Lucasfilm has always been really good with their marketing, I think, because I just rewatched the Revenge of the Sith trailer before we started recording this. Oh, dear. And Mm -hmm. I still got hyped for the movie (laughs) 10 years later. Damn. It's still a piece of shit but I'm still hyped for it. Damn. Like, like, go back and watch it. It goes so hard in the second half of that trailer where it's just action after action after action. Like, there's, like, the really wooden dialogue, not, like... There's no wooden dialogue in the in the trailer. What? It's, it's, well, there's one little bit where um, Anakin goes, like, uh, you want me to spy on the Chancellor? That's treason. And then it, Obi-Wan goes, this is war, Anakin. And I'm like, <laughs> that's terrible. But still. And then, like, but then the rest rest of the movie wasn't, the movie—it wasn't like it was so like well cut together that you're like this is a this is a, a super exciting movie that I want to watch. And I remember in 2005 repeating that trailer all the time on like Comcast on demand whenever I could whenever I had like time to like go to it and like just press play because I was like super pumped to be like how does he become Darth Vader? Oh my god! And then like I, whenever I watch the movie, I'm like oh right this is a terrible movie. Um, <laughs> but then the trailer gets me so hyped, guys. So I think I think Lucasfilm has always had like a good niche in, in like movie marketing. Um, they're just it's, they're just back because
0: I I think that's so interesting that trailers can, are almost like a work of art these days. Like they're almost um, the equivalent of like movies sometimes and how they make us feel. Except it's like in a more compact setting. It's just two mm-hmm. minutes, but um, it's still just like I feel like it's a, it's almost becoming its own genre. Like I love. And analyzing trailers. I think they're really fascinating. Um, and as a writer in, like, the entertainment industry, a lot of my job is writing up short stories, summarizing trailers and stuff. Some of them are bad and just kind of by the numbers. But there's some really interesting avant-garde trailers that just, like, blow me away and, like, will give me chills, you know? It it still elicits an emotional response despite being pure marketing. And we mm-hmm. still, like, dedicate so much of our time and our, like, energy to watching and analyzing these trailers, which I find so fascinating. I want
1: to bring up um, a story where I was very betrayed.
2: Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> a movie?
1: Yeah, I feel like I feel like I just I need to talk about. It. I feel like I haven't ta- been able to talk about this movie enough. Sit so down and, I to, like... couch
2: and, and, yeah. and we'll, we'll we'll you know we'll work it out.
1: Yeah,
2: your so, hour starts now. So
1: Brad Bird's Tomorrowland. Oh. You know, oh, it was it was supposed to be something so epic and beautiful. I remember you were so excited for this movie. I had so much hope. I mean, again, Disneyland, it's very much Disney mythos, especially Disney Parks mythos, since it's based on a literal land in Disneyland.
2: Um, And Brad Bird. like Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Yeah, and like we all love, like Brad Bird did The Incredibles, he did The Iron Giant. Like we know what Brad Bird's capable of. And I don't know if it was like studio demands. I am more inclined to blame Damon Lindelof. (laughs)
2: Uh, Who wrote Lost. um, I mean, listen. Damon
1: Lindelof. HT, you know I love Lost. I know. I know. You know I love Lost. But Damon Lindelof, when it comes to movies, has a really... He does not know how to write third acts. I was going (laughs) to say,
2: have you guys seen Prometheus? I
1: haven't seen Prometheus. Third acts are not his strong suit. And I I think Damon Lindelof hurt that film. Because, like, you watch Tomorrowland and there are, like, these glimmers of what it was trying to be, what it was trying to say. And it just... None of it paid off. And it sucks because the trailers had me so excited. They had me hopeful about the future. And, like, I was also very biased, like, going into the trailers. It was a movie I'd been looking forward to for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And everything was meant to be beautiful. And, like, I got the little Tomorrowland pin that's in the movie. Oh, man. And it just, none of it was what it was supposed to be. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I feel like I, remember, I haven't
1: been betrayed by a movie like that in a long time. Like that's like, I'm it's a wound that's still I was very betrayed
0: fresh. by Hell Caesar like that because I was just I was so excited for the movie they were promising me and I did not get that movie. Um, I think most hurts. recently
2: Suicide Squad was that for me because I was super excited because based on the trailers.
0: Yeah, hurts, and I remember yeah. I I didn't know any of like that Disneyland mythos like the Disney mythos for Tomorrowland, but I remember being really impressed by that first trailer. I thought it was yeah. it was well edited. It was just. It was enticing and cryptic and just, like, really fun at the same time. Like, that was, like, it checked off all the points of a good trailer, and I was like, wow. See,
2: what I thought was when I saw the trailer was, like, isn't there a a thing in Disney called Tomorrowland? (laughs) And then I Googled it. I was like, yeah, there's a thing in Disney called Tomorrowland. Is this based on on the park? And then, like, I, like, had to think about it. I was like, are they doing this? And I guess, I mean, like, if the movie... I, mean, I haven't seen the movie still. I but I just remember, it. like, it hurt. seeing the Rotten Tomatoes score come out, like, the first day. And it was, like, 70%. I was like, okay, that's okay. And then, like, the next day it was, like, 60%. And then, like, each day leading up to the the premiere of the movie was just, like, another 10% came down. I was like, oh, Anya must be feeling so sad about it right
1: now. I, st- I saw it opening day in theaters. I Like, I had to. And it... Yep, it was painful. I can't remember, also, I remember, um, do you remember if the Jurassic World trailers were any good? Because I remember going into that film and being like, woohoo, Jurassic World, Jurassic
0: I Park, think they were and that movie really was like, terrible. Yeah, I think I, the trailers for that were actually pretty serviceable. Like, I, I think excited. the
2: first one could have been a little bit better because they had the on-the-nose the on, the on the dialogue of, you just went and made a new dinosaur? Probably not a good idea. And I'm oh, like, yeah. that's <laughs> the... You're gonna lead with that line, <laughs> <laughs> and but like the the feel of the of the of the the movie trailers I, of those for that movie I really liked, and like I was super excited for Jurassic World, and then the movie came out. So
3: and now so now bad.
2: I'm not excited for whatever Jurassic World sequel is, they're gonna call it. Like, Neither. like rumor of it being Jurassic World War or whatever. So oh I don't. Know. Yeah, because the whole the whole subplot of um. D'Onofrio, and he wants the raptors to go to Afghanistan. Like, what? who knows Who knows what happens.
1: Oh, uh... God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yep. Nope. So, wait,
2: okay, we haven't talked about the most influential movie trailer of the 2010s. Uh, the Inception trailer. <gasps> in which, after every single movie, uh, after that movie came out, you just had the... Bruh! In every movie.
0: I remember that trailer. Yeah, and it is, like, the most iconic trailer of the 2000s, I think. Um, If they were ever... I forget what those trailers
1: were like. Like, I haven't seen them in a while.
2: I rewatched it today for the podcast. And I remember, and suddenly, like, memories came flooding back of me really excited for the trailer. or Really excited for the movie because of the trailer. Like, it gave you, like, this really, like, pumped up, like, a thrill ride through a, a guy's mind. And it's just, like... Oh man! And I just remember—I mean, the movie. I really like the movie still. It's just same um, mm-hmm. colder than the, what the trailer would have you. Because mm-hmm. um, Christopher Nolan movies are kind of notoriously cold. Yeah. Um, but his trailers always kind of like very emotional and very like that like the whole like. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character like wanting to get back to the real world or whatever, you know, back to the the world he knows, mm-hmm. and that was like the whole point of the trailer was like it it was like a it's like it sets you up of like what this world is, and then it's like well, now we're going to give you emotional stakes, and then, and then the boom mm-hmm. throughout the the second half of the movie. Go back and watch it, guys. It's interesting.
0: <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah, it is. It's kind of funny because like that that iconic, I don't know, beats. I don't know that sound. Well, how do you guys describe sound, it? The
2: Inception sound. The
0: bass. Yeah. <laughs> the Inception bass. Um, that has become so prominent, prominent in like every action movie trailer now. Um, I think I've seen it. Last one I think I saw it when was like Doctor Strange or something. Yeah. Which well, also has well, very shades about, of Inception.
2: I was gonna say the Doctor Strange tra- trailer is totally copying off of the Inception trailer, mm-hmm. like the whole like city flipping its in in half and whatnot, and like. You know, the whole, like, reality-bending thing is totally, like, Inception. I, I wouldn't say they're totally ripping it off, but, like, it looks like Inception. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That was an iconic movie trailer.
2: I can imagine Benedict Cumberbatch being in a Christopher Nolan movie.
0: <laughs> oh, he would definitely show up in a Nolan movie. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: I think, um, before we wrap up, I know none of us are, like, big horror fans, but I think horror trailers Ooh. are really interesting, only because, like, what... Do they give away what don't they give away, and just kind of how they set up like the aesthetic of a film? I think horror trailers are probably some of the hardest trailers. I think
0: horror and comedy,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and are really comics. hard,
0: yeah, and I, horror comedy. I think horror trailers are really fascinating too because I feel like yeah, you can't really give away whatever twist happens in horror movies that are like they they hinge on them so much. But they really have to build up that mood and that suspense in a span of one to two minutes. Um, and yeah, they do it really well. It's just like like the Lights Out trailer. I watched that recently at a movie. I went to see The Shallows and that played before The Shallows. And I was traumatized by that movie trailer for about a week. Um, it it played off really well like the the whole conceit of you know whenever you turn off the lights there is a woman there and you can see her her like image and that kind of stuff
1: yeah Um, but then at the same time there are like i'm not a big horror fan so i'm not going to see most horror films anyway but like the ones that i am like intrigued by like um don't breathe is Mm -hmm. um, a horror movie coming out where the three kids break into the blind guy's house yeah, And I was like, oh, this is, like, I don't know if I'll see it. It does look kind of scary. I was like, but it's an interesting concept. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. And then I read somewhere that someone was, like, something about a problematic twist in the film. Yeah. And I was like, what? And so I did my research, and, like, I spoiled myself. I don't care. Yeah. No, um. And, it. like, now I'm really glad because this twist is terrible, and I would have... Hated it if I had seen it and not known. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm really torn because I'm like, yeah, the trailer shouldn't give it away because if you see it, you're like, oh my god. But at the same time, it's not something that I would have wanted to be surprised by because it's so upsetting.
0: You know, um, I actually think that horror movies lend themselves best to trailers in a way because a lot of horror movies, like with the really interesting concepts, are based off of short films or of like, you can tell like the story in a series of like five sentences like you a good example of this are like the reddit uh tell a horror story in one sentence um and those are really frightening there's a way of like reaching to like the visceral like part of a person in like a short expanse of time and i think that i think trailers for horror movies they like basically summarize like the first act of a film um like kind of like the setup the normal, everyday thing, and then suddenly, like, the big twist, and that's where, like, they cut it off. That's what I've noticed for horror movie trailers anyways. Like, they kind of, they don't have, like, the second and third act, but they have, like, the first act, essentially, all in, like, Sunrise in one, in the one trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, and I, I think, like, yeah, it, it does hide a lot of whatever problematic twists come the ways um, in a lot of horror films. Like, horror films, in general, are, like, a lot, a lot of them are problematic, but, yeah. I actually think that, like, horror films are the best genres for trailers in a way like comedy is probably the most difficult yeah because a lot of them are out of context you put a lot of the best jokes in the trailer so yeah mm-hmm. yep. yeah so uh is there anything else you guys want to add about trailers um no yeah i think we just like brushed over the surface of movie trailers and kind of like, like how prominent they are in a movie watching experience but yeah we we love them essentially yeah. That, yeah. We still will like wait for the countdown for a movie trailer. A la a- rogue one. <sighs> Alright. Yep. Um, so let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. I really, 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 really like you. Um Ruby, why don't you start us off for this week?
2: Sure, I've got two things. Um I've got um ironically. I was, I've was. i been listening to the Carly Rae Jepsen album Emotion for the past week because I bought it because I, I keep listening to I Really, Really, Really Like You, and I was like, I want to listen to the rest of the album. So I did, um, and it's great, and it's been getting me through this week, and it's just like a lot of fun, just poppy. It's a better 80s-inspired sound uh, movie – not soundtrack. <laughs> keep talking about movies. Um, a better 80s-inspired album than 1989 was, I think. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say that. Uh, and then the other thing has been um, BoJack Horseman seasons two and three. Um, uh, season three came out a couple weeks ago, and I hadn't seen season two yet. And I was like, "Oh, people have been talking about how good, how so good BoJack Horseman is." And I liked the first season; I thought it was pretty deep and funny. And then I kind of fell off of it. And then I watched, I binge watched two and seasons two and three over the past couple days, and it's really great, guys. Have you guys ever seen any of it?
0: I have not. I have not watched it.
2: It's, like, funny, and it's kind of like a satire of, like, Hollywood and, like, show business, and, like, Will Arnett plays a, you know, a, a, do you know the concept of the show, uh Of what it is?
0: I don't really know the concept, but I've heard it's, like, a really progressive show. So,
2: basically, though. Will Arnett stars as Bojack Horseman, a anthropomorphized a horse human and like so like in this universe there's humans and then there's also like animals and they ha- basically have the body of humans but then also like the head of animals and stuff and they're basically just like humanoid animals um and so bojack horseman is a like john stamos type star who had a big sitcom hit in the 80s and 90s and now he's a- but then instead of having the john stamos career he kind of had like oh he's now like a has-been and so like the first season is all about uh this reporter, Diane, who comes into his life trying to write his memoir as basically as like a ghostwriter. And so they get to know each other, it becomes this deep, complicated friendship relationship, but she's also married to his rival from the eighties and nineties, a dog named Mr. Peanut Butter, who had like a rival <laughs> sitcom called Mr. Peanut Butter's House. Um and Bojack Horseman's show is called Horsin' around. It was it's, it's it's always fun when they like flash back to that. Um and so like it's basically like Bojack's life. He's also like super like depressed and he tries to like fulfill things in his life with, and he tries to be happy but he never does. It's very Mad Men like in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um people have written articles about like how like now that Mad Men's over, Bojack Horseman is the show to watch yeah. to get your like existential antihero man depressed needs or tv show so it's just it's 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 good it's um it's satirical of hollywood but also like it also has like a lot of deep emotions running through it about depression and anxiety and like happiness
0: yeah i heard it ha- it's really progressive in its portrayal of mel- mental illness and that kind of
2: yeah stuff. yeah because it kind of like it tries to it, it tries to like put into words like how people feel and sometimes it's pretty on the nose mm-hmm. but then sometimes it's kind of like it's like oh man Oh wow! And Will Arnett's voice acting has never been better.
3: Hmm.
2: Like uh, I, he, he he's been pretty excellent in this, Is and they it? all everyone, everyone's really excellent. Allison Allison Brie plays Diane, um, and then uh, Paul F. Tompkins, Paul F. Tompkins plays Mister Peanut Butter. Um, Amy Sedaris plays Bojack's agent um, Princess cat, uh, Princess Carolyn. She's a cat, um, and then there's a bunch of like. Every celebrity you know is on the show at some point because they either play themselves or they play someone else. So it's it's good.
0: Mm, awesome! So, nice.
2: That was a lot uh, a lot to say, but I really like Jack Horseman. All right. <laughs> and Carly Rae Jepsen's emotion. Yes, yeah, that album is so good. All right.
0: All right. Um, I'll go next. My thing I really really like this week is uh, gender flips casting. Uh, so, we've had two casting announcements in the past two weeks, I think, for remakes of popular films um, with the roles reversed. So, first one was Splash with Channing Tatum as the mermaid. Amazing. And, um, I forgot her name. It's like Jill something. Um, anyways, she was his co-star in uh, 22 Jump Street. And Um,
2: she's also on Workaholics.
0: And she's on Workaholics, and and she's playing Tom Hanks' role. Uh, So I'm really excited about that, and it's kind of subversion of, like, the whole male gaze sort of putting females on a pedestal sort of role. Um, And I I never actually watched Splash when when it came out. Of course, I was not born yet, so that makes sense. But I never saw it later on, either. It was Tom Hanks' star-making role. Um, But I'm... I'm quite excited to see Channing Tatum in the role of a mermaid, you know? It's kind of like the thing I never knew that I wanted, but I'm excited for it. Um, Another casting announcement that was recently out was the cast for Ocean's 8, which is the reboot of or a reboot sequel to Oceans Eleven, the whole franchise, which came out with Oceans Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, and Oceans. Real quick,
1: do we actually know if it's a reboot sequel? Because the whole thing I'm getting from it is that by being Ocean's eight, by being another trilogy, it's eight, nine, ten, mm. eleven, twelve, thirteen. It might be it's a be. whole six like I feel like it, it it feels more like a companion piece. Mm-hmm. Like, the gender flip casting is still a thing, which is awesome, mm-hmm. and I'll let you talk about that. But I'm just really curious, because, like, by making it eight, you then lead into, like, a possible, like, six, like, kind of like a whole series
0: it companion sounds...
1: piece thing.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I assumed when I heard about it. Rather than it being a reboot, it was just kind of like, yeah, a companion piece or something, or some sort of prequel, maybe, or some, like, in the same universe, anyways. An ex- yeah. Extended universe of
3: um <laughs> the ocean of the ocean
0: <laughs> amazing they I
1: should they should collaborate with like the italian job and be like a heist universe
0: i love that or the bank job yes all the heist universe all the heist movies in one universe i'm okay with that i love heist movies awesome me too
2: and then they get into the fast and furious franchise
1: <gasps> oh my god which are technically oh this- heist as well
2: those 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 are heist films. Like yes. every movie, at least has one heist. <laughs> this
1: this is a great cinematic
2: universe, you
0: guys. Guys, I think we we are we got on it. We got it.
2: Someone call yep. up Hollywood. I think we got a we got a big <laughs> call all
0: out. of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, it is starring Cate Blanchett, Sandra Bullock, Anne Hathaway, Rihanna. Um, uh, who else is in it? Mindy Mind- Kaling. Mindy Kaling, um, and then a Asian American. Rapper slash comedian named Aquafina. Um, it is diverse. It is all women, and they're not cast finished casting the eight yet. So I'm excited for well, no, there's one more. Cast. There's one more. Yeah, um, I'm. I just. I really love it because it. It is a way of just kind of taking ownership of these very male oriented, very testosterone driven franchises such as the Oceans movies, which kind of you wouldn't expect it to be like very masculine. In, like it's very kind of old school masculine it is based on a rat pack film yes rat pack film yeah, Um uh, from same. of the like of the same name from the 60s i think um and it has like this very old school style of rules of masculinity and kind of like their expectations and perceptions in society and that kind of stuff and i really love that whole Gender bending of it, and kind of just like women taking ownership of that, and it'll make for a different, very different heist too, which I think is good. Um, so I'm, I'm just like, I'm really excited for it. I'm, I'm all for gender bending. I know that Ghostbusters was very controversial. I think all of us here were very for it, um, and despite it not doing very well at the box office, I think that all in all, it was probably a creative success. I didn't see it yet, actually. Anya, you are better to speak for this. Um, would you say so? That, Sorry, <laughs> rephrase that to me. Would you say was that Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters good? was... A, yeah, was Ghostbusters good? Was it gender fun? Yes, I mean, good. I liked it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes, it was good. I, yes, it, was, it wasn't perfect, mm-hmm. but it was good, and it was fun, and the cast is amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, and I am definitely not buying the whole anger about reboots and remaking classic stories in a more progressive sense, because, you know, they're only... There're only so many stories, and <laughs> it's kind of a tired argument now, too. Mm-hmm. It's funny how people
1: are arguing—they're like remakes are just like lazy storytelling—and I was like, your excuse, your reasons for not liking remakes is lazy.
0: Also, been <laughs> I'm doing... just like. Yeah.
1: Go ahead, it's go so ahead. boring. Yeah.
0: And also they've been doing remakes since the beginning of cinema history. I remember yeah. in my like film class we watched like Gold Diggers of Nineteen Twenty Three and then Gold Diggers of Nineteen Thirty Three, and I'm like, oh, there are several of these in the same decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And
2: like yeah. the Starface movie that everybody loves mm-hmm. is a remake.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. There, there is no go, franchise friends. that is protected from the remake. And often they're better for it. Anyways, that's my really like RoboCop.
2: Week. RoboCop Robocop thir- 2013 was a
0: yeah, terrible Yeah, yeah, Well, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we won't speak yeah. of, of those. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm um, really excited about Mindy Kaling being in Ocean's 8, like, especially. I feel like Mindy Kaling, I don't see her in movies a lot, and I'm excited, and I love her.
0: And I'm glad that she is, this is one of her few movies, and she's going to be an action film. It's going to be, an like, an action caper, which I'm really excited for.
3: Seeing this like, ladies
0: kick ass. Just reversing all those expectations, you know? Awesome. It was also like somewhat of a, diver- a
1: diversity in age
0: mm-hmm.
1: with the women too.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock are like in their forties, and then you have like Min, well, Minnie Kelly is a little older too. Alcofina, I think, is in her twenties. Her Rihanna is also in her twenties. It's a good time. It's a good time. Oh, yeah. So Anya, what is your <laughs> really like for this week?
1: You know, I didn't really have one, um, but I just thought of one. It's kind of a few weeks old. Um, but our trailer discussion made me think of it and I haven't really talked about it, but a few weeks ago I saw a trailer for a movie I had never heard of and this trailer like gave me chills and mm. now I'm so excited. You guys might know it. I just might be out of the loop, but it's, um, A Monster Calls.
0: Oh, seen I've it. seen it. It's the one with Liam Neeson who's voicing the monster, right? The monster addict Felicity Jones yeah. is the mom of the
1: big boy. And this trailer, like, I'd never heard of it. I just stumbled upon it one day and watched it, and then I also saw it. It played before Ghostbusters when I saw it the second time, and I was. This trailer is so good, it's and it's just like it. It's one of those emotional kind of reactions you have to a trailer that you don't get a lot. And I'm very excited, uh, Willoughby, since you have never heard of it. No, I'm I've gonna... heard of it. I've
2: never seen the trailer.
1: Oh, watch the trailer. It's beautiful. It's really. Is beautiful. it a horror
2: movie?
0: No. It's kind of. Actually, when I first saw when I first started watching the trailer, I thought it was a horror movie, because it kind of started laying down the foundation that you see in yeah. horror movie trailers. Like, but,
2: mo- single mom, scared child, yeah. monster. Like, that That just screams horror movie.
1: Yeah. No, no, it's not. It's a, it's more of a fantasy film than a horror film. It's, it's you know, it's probably more like uh, Pan's Labyrinth I'd say than like, being oh, okay. a straight-up horror film. Although, it's, it's probably going to be less scary than Pan's Labyrinth. It's I'd a fantasy it's like movie, very... and it's about grief and yeah. trauma.
0: I think it's very much in the vein of like Bridge to Terabithia, where it mm-hmm. has like those fantasy elements, but it as it's like a stand-in for like a metaphor stand-in for other like more mature, really dark concepts.
1: Yeah, so it's not a horror movie at all. It looks yeah. Watch the trailer. You like you'll see what we mean. It's just like when you watch it, at least for me, I just started like having this like real emotional reaction to it. I think I started and... crying. Yeah. Oh,
2: oh geez. yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> Man. Because I, here I thought it was like like the Babadook or It Follows, like one of those Mm-mm. movies.
0: No, it kind of has no. like a similar in terms of like the Babadook being like a metaphor for like grief as well. It has mm-hmm. like that similar sort of theme, but it's definitely but it's more not hopeful. jump scary. Yeah, not jump scary. It's more hopeful. Yeah, no, cool.
2: No, I'll check it out. But yeah,
0: so that's just I. It's
1: um, I'm really liking that. It's a few weeks old now, but like I just okay. thought of it, and I was like, more people need to be to, like, know about this upcoming movie because I think it'll be good. Watch it if like, a really good trailer and then the movie turns out to be
2: disappointing. Yeah. I don't feel bad for, for for this news being, like, three or four weeks old because, like, Anya, I always show up with a really, really, like, about something I'm rewatching or rereading. so...
0: <laughs> Fair. Yeah, Fair. we gotta use our platform of and many followers to s- spread the news, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: So I think that's everything. Um, if everyone, if you guys all have thoughts on trailers, if you guys have thoughts on A Monster Calls or other trailers that you guys have seen and are excited about, if you guys... <laughs> hold on. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have thoughts on Carly Rae Jepsen Motion Emotion or Bojack Horseman or Gender Flipped Casting, specifically with Ocean's 8... And Splash. And Splash. <laughs> like blinking everywhere right now. um You guys should come talk to us. And where can they do that,
2: Willoughby? They can find us on Facebook. We're the Millennial Falcon on Facebook. We're at Falcon Podcast on Twitter. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes and Google Play, where you can subscribe, rate, and review to us there. Where can they find you guys?
0: Uh, you can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at
1: Anya Crittenton on Twitter.
2: And I'm at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. Alright.
1: Thanks for
0: joining us, guys. Bye bye. Guys.
1: bye. bye.